Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, Jay-Z, John Coleman, DR Wispot. Everything. I know, right? Everything. Yeah. You excited? The sun is on fire. Is it? I yes. Mean, all the time. Hydrogen has the uh, tendency to do that. The sun is on fire. It's heating things up around here. Shout out your new booster. That's actually last year's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you grabbed that today because they finally got around <laughs> to sending it to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wish but O-H-S-A-B-C. Shout out to the Shout Booster Shout out Club. to the O-H-S-A-B-C for this awesome plaque that arrived in the mail this <laughs> week. That's awesome. Yeah. Celebrating their gratitude from last year. It's never too late. It's never too late to, to send Dio a plaque. Never too late. It's never, it's never too, too late. late to send Dio a plaque. You never know where that thing will, will, will wind up. Yeah, in the corner on the floor. Yeah, you know what I need to do? Um, I was just up in Louisville in Cincinnati. Okay. By the way, Cincinnati's an amazing city. Is it? Yeah, when I was up there, I recognized and realized two things. Okay. There's no way the state of Ohio could have such a cool city. So we re, we've annexed it. Me and a couple guys I met at a bar made this decision. We're annexing Cincinnati okay. from Ohio. Okay. It's going to be Cincinnati, Kentucky. Okay. Yep. We've even renamed the Ohio River okay. the Big Tucky River. The Big Tucky. Yeah, I said let's rename it the Kentucky River. They're like, well, there already is a Kentucky River. I said, well, I don't know because I'm from Florida. <laughs> I'm like, then we're going to rename it the Big Tucky because there's okay. no way such a beautiful river would ever have the name Ohio. Okay. You've really been dogging on Ohio recently. You know, I've been doing it since, like, I was a little kid. I saw a shirt during since, the Penn State game, and it said, this isn't even a state. It's a great shirt by Nike. It said something like, oh, this, this I don't know. Well, there's, like, there's a lot of internet memes going on. I guess it's now over a year old now. But, yeah, where it was, it was a big debate whether or not Ohio was a state. I can tell you this. Cincinnati is a phenomenal city. Y'all should go check it out. Shout out, Ohio. Yeah, shout out. I've been to Columbus, Ohio. I have, too. Eh. Um, there's eh. A, that's a, uh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cincinnati, on point. On fire. Yeah, it's on point. Okay. But no, Sam, while I was in Louisville, we, we did the Louisville Slugger factory tour, mm-hmm. which is pretty awesome. This is where, where they, they make, make baseball bats. Yes. And I actually have a couple bats from that tour I probably should bring in, and we can use, use those as props. There you go. See? Yeah, because if – I'm going to tell you all this. And I guess this is only for people who are tuning in and watching us, mm-hmm. or you watch some of our clips on, on social media because this podcast can be viewed on YouTube. At the Lone Officer Podcast is the channel – and we're on just about every social media platform, not named Pinterest. Mm-hmm. So that's TikTok, that's Instagram, that's Facebook, Facebook that's LinkedIn. Yes, sir. And John does a great job of doing like infographics and short clips, and they're usually really funny, and he make me laugh. I look forward to them coming out. Mm-hmm. So I guess you can see the set. Mm-hmm. If you're a Spotify, you're an Apple podcast, or a Google Play listener, yeah. you don't know what we're really talking about, but you kind of do if you follow us on social because you'll get to see the clips. There you go. And in those clips, when you see us, you'll notice that there's always some new centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And it's usually shit JC finds laying around <laughs> in my office. Yeah. Uh, hence today, the OHSABC Booster Club plaque. They couldn't have found a better name. Add some more letters. Just round out the alphabet. Right? I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. I, you know that was way before my time. Way to organically weave that in, that shout out into the uh, the program. Yeah. How about that, that John? Great. How about that? So today's episode. Snowbirds. Snowbirds. Yes. Yes. This is a viewer request. Shout out. Yeah. A, uh, a lender down in Marco Island, mm. Florida. Okay. Okay. Nice area. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. Like I'm talking uh, for half the year, 
the bulk of the wealth in the United States is like <laughs> all sitting in Marco Island. The opulence. It's, it's between um, West Palm. Mm-hmm. I guess they call that. Um, I call it, yeah, West Palm Beach. Right. And it's it's down in the, the Naples, Marco Island area. Right. They go back and forth from like the from basically Thanksgiving through Easter. Mm. There's there's a massive amount of wealth mm-hmm. that is just concentrated right. in either southwest or or southeast Florida. Right. So she's down in Marco Island. She's like, Dio, can you and JC please do an episode on snowbirds? Okay. And a snowbird is someone who only comes down mm-hmm. between the, the the winter months, right? They like to spend their summer months up north, mm-hmm. and they like to spend their winter months down in Florida. Right. And I was like, yeah, but I don't understand what you're getting at. Like, right. I was like, yes, I can. Like, yeah, sure. Sure, but. Are you challenging us? <laughs> yeah. yeah just, are you hold, threatening me? Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think we can? <laughs> yeah. But no, as as she and I were going back and forth, and we were doing this all via LinkedIn, because LinkedIn's a great way to get a hold of me. If you're trying to get a hold of me, I'm Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. And what I realized is her frustration was this. Her frustration was interest rates are super cheap. Still. She works for a lender where she swears she has the ability to get loan approval in 10 days and get them closed in 15 days. Okay. And she's frustrated that too many people are buying these really expensive homes and paying cash. Damn. And she's like, why would they not want to take advantage of these super cheap interest rates? Great question. And I'm like, well, that's a great question for their financial advisor. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a good question for you to post to the realtors that are selling these homes and for you to, to pose to these potential home buyers. Right. But as we talked more and more about it, I started thinking about, you know, our podcast spans Washington to, to Key West, everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. So there's parts of the country, Kansas, um, Idaho, Ohio, if you consider it a state, to be, for the most part, landlocked. Yeah. How are those people going to be able to help snowbirds. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? We're going to talk about that too. Okay. Yeah. If you originate in all 50 States or one of the 50 States, this episode is going to apply to you, whether you finance homes for a living, whether you sell homes for a living or I'll be darned. What if you too want to become a snowbird? Mm. I know my wife and I can't wait. Can't wait right now. We throw thinking it's Colorado in the summertime and it's Anna Maria Island in the wintertime. So Anna Maria Island is a beautiful area just north of Sarasota, Florida, which is just south of St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah. We want to spend our time there, mostly in the winter. And then we want to be in Colorado, mostly in the summertime, obviously because of ski season. We'll go back to the home in Colorado when, we, when we're feeling like we want to ski. And then just because we're Floridians by nature, we'll spend some of the summer weeks. Right. Right. But like, that's us. Mm hmm. So, like, I finance homes for a living, and I want to be a snowbird, become a snowbird. This episode's for, for me. Yourself, yeah, you're talking to yourself. Yeah, yeah I'm talking make to sure myself. Make sure you tune into this episode and make, get ready for that. Hey, Dustin, make sure you <laughs> tune, tune into, into this. this episode. Yeah, we're still at least five to ten years away from that. Okay. Five years at a minimum because we have to get the little one out of high school. All right. We'll be on episode, like, 900 by then, so. I hope, John. We will. I, well, if you can ever get the website launched, we could. Right now, people are having a hard time finding us because, A, either the listeners who are tuned in right now aren't doing a good enough job of sharing, which there's no way anyone who tunes in and likes what we do doesn't share us. Right. I bet they talk about us to anyone who's willing to listen. Word of mouth. So that means it's all on you, John. It is. It's all on you for not having a website Bro, built. People Sisyphus, can't find us. Sisyphus. That's like the Greek parable, the guy pushed a rock up the top. You know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, I'll just leave it at No, that. I didn't do that, that good in uh, Mrs. Pittman's ninth grade English class. When it came to uh, Greek the mythology Odyssey and all that stuff. I do like the Odyssey. Yeah. yeah, they actually made a really cool movie 
uh, with George Clooney in it based on Oedipus and his journey. Really? Yes. I don't know if it was Old Brother, Where Art Thou? Really? Yeah. Before my time. No, it wasn't, John. It's on no. VHS? Uh, probably on Blu-ray. Whoa. It's probably on whoa, Blu-ray. Still before my time. Yeah, you should look it up. If you're if you're into that type of story, yeah, yeah, Old Brother, Where Art Thou? That's right. that is the story of, of I believe. I mean, <laughs> look, if, if I'm wrong, correct me. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely check it out. Okay. But no, we're back on Snowbirds. Let's go. Yeah, keep me on that Alpha Rabbit. It's fine. So let, let's talk about it. Okay. Let Let's help this listener down in Marco Island. Mm-hmm. Um, come up with maybe various talking points that that she can take to the real estate community. Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, that's where she's gonna have to start. Let's start with discussing with the real estate community. If she's not getting her word out there that she can get loan approvals in 10 days, that interest rates are X cheap, that she can get full loan approval in 15, mm-hmm. then it's gonna be harder for her to find clients who wanna steer away from cash. Okay, but let's say, let's assume she does that, she does it really well. Mm-hmm. What if the people are like, nah, I still wanna do cash? Well, that's all well and good, she may or may not know, and other listeners may or may not know, something called delayed financing. Delayed financing is, what one of, one, is where one of our borrowers can go pay cash for a house, mm-hmm. and then immediately afterwards, they don't have to wait six months, immediately afterwards, they can go ahead and do a cash-out refinance and pull the bulk of what they used to buy the home back out of the home. Okay. Right, so maybe for the ease of the transaction, I just, I'm super rich, I'm buying Marco Island, I'm, you know, Coming down from Springfield, Illinois, or wherever rich people live. Right. I don't know if it was Springfield, 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 Springfield Mass, maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. um, Brookline, Massachusetts. Brookline, Massachusetts. Yeah. And I just had my financial advisor just wire the money. Yeah. Just wire. Just get rid. Yep. And then in return, after I owned the home, deed was transferred into my name, now I can go to a lender and try to solidify some form of permanent financing and get some of that cash back out and get that cash in the market. Okay. Because when you're borrowing at two and a half percent, that's pretty dirt cheap. Her point is what else could they be doing with that money? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, maybe she needs to find a way to talk to the realtors, to talk to the potential home buyers and get their financial advisor on the phone. Mm-hmm. Now what she needs to understand is that there's certain super wealthy people. Like let's say I had $10 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. Now it wouldn't be in a bank. It'd be in, in a, some form of a, managed investment account. Mm-hmm. If I had $10 million, my financial advisor more than likely is going to have a way for me to borrow against that at cheap rates as well. From yourself? From myself. Like I know a guy right now who's building his own house. He has like a couple million dollars invested. And instead of him going to a bank or a lender, his financial advisor was like, hey, bro, look, I can go ahead and keep your money working for you. It's mm-hmm. still into the, into the market. We'll give you a loan, you know, pledging part of your assets, using them as collateral, mm-hmm. and I'm going to lend you money at SOFR plus one, basically 2.3%. Mm-hmm. You get paid the interest too? Yes. Well, then, mm-hmm. yeah. So his, his, his investment right. can then just pay the interest. So you're, you're developing a little bit of arbitrage, mm-hmm. right? So maybe this investment account is earning 6% or 8% annually. And those funds are staying invested. Mm-hmm. And he pulled a line of credit utilizing his assets. And it's all managed by the same one, one advisor. Mm-hmm. And that in itself would be a reason why, well, maybe this loan officer in Marco Island, maybe she thinks they're quote unquote paying cash, but maybe it's more of a leveraged line of credit mm-hmm. based on their, on their own assets. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm her, I'm going to argue against that method because that method doesn't have the interest rate fixed. 
the, the interest rate is, is it a variable based on what the market is doing? Her argument to the financial advisor would be like, I, I'm with you. The reason why a financial advisor wants to do the line of credit for his or her clients is because they don't want them taking their money out of the market right. and then dumping it into a home. Right. But that's why they do the line of credit. That, that way the, the money stays working. But the loan officer should be able to educate the financial advisor that, no, there's a loan product where we could fix in a low interest rate. Yes, I know it's not 2.3%. Maybe it's 2.7%. But that 2.7% is fixed in for the next 10, 15, mm -hmm. 30 years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so people need to know that that's available. Right. She wanted to talk about that. Hopefully, this right here is what she was hoping to get and gather. Right. Now, for our loan originators and our realtors and our home buyers out there that aren't living and working in a destination location, right? Whether it's the Outer Banks up in North Carolina, whether it's Scottsdale, Arizona, whether it's Marco Island, West Palm Beach, Florida, whatever the case may be, Boca, mm -hmm. Key West, could keep on going Damn, on there's and there's a on. lot of places in Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a nice place. Golf Shores in Alabama, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of areas. Let's think about this. What if you're a lender and you're licensed in your home state? Whether your home state's Missouri, whether it's Oklahoma, whether it's Michigan, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And you're not licensed to, to lend anywhere else. And your client reaches out to you because they want to buy that vacation home. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Are you just referring them to a buddy? Are you hopping on one of the Facebook groups saying, hey, who do you know that does, I have a client looking? Yeah. Because maybe you're not doing the best thing for your client. Have you ever considered doing a cash out refinance for your client on their primary home in the state that they live, which happens to be the state that you work, which happens to be the state that you're licensed, right. and then teach them how to leverage the equity out of their primary home to become a true quote unquote cash buyer right. for the home in Florida, because maybe you want to remind them that it's super competitive out there and how a cash offer may be the reason why they get that vacation home or their dreams or that second home of their dream. But you can teach them how to leverage the equity they currently have to basically become a cash buyer for the vacation home or the second home. Right. I don't think a lot of people's brains work that way. Well, because how that what you're saying is like I own this house, I have this house up here in Ohio. Let's say I can do a cash out. Can refi we pick a real estate? Sure, uh, Wisconsin. Okay, there you go. <laughs> okay. um, so I do a cash out refi, and let's say I get what three hundred thousand. How much would I get out of the house? Like three hundred. Well, it depends on how much your home is worth. Okay. And, and how much do you currently owe? Okay. So when we're talking about people who are in their late 40s, mid 50s, early 60s, there's a good chance that these people have worked really hard and have uh, been fiscally diligent and they, they own their home free and clear. Now, it's a subject of pride with them that I don't have a mortgage. Right. I'm like, okay, so you want to go buy a home in Florida or Gulf Shores, Alabama or Scottsdale, Arizona, and you're cool having a mortgage. Yep. All right. But what if I could show you that it's easier and cheaper to borrow money against your primary home? This is the home in Wisconsin in mm -hmm, this case. Mm -hmm. Let's take the cash out necessary to, to go and pay cash for the home in wherever, right? Yeah. Arizona, Florida, whatever. Yeah. And you'll make your offer that much more competitive, which A, may help you buy the home a little bit cheaper, mm -hmm. or B, actually have your offer be accepted. Right. Because as a cash buyer, you can close quick. You don't have financing contingencies. You probably don't have appraisal contingencies, all things that come with financing. Right. And if I'm the lender who introduced that thought process to my client, I also didn't lose a loan. I also did what was best for them. Mm -hmm. The only hurdle that they're going to overcome is people have this mental block of, 
but now I don't have my house right. free and clear. I'm like, yes, you have a home free and clear. It's your vacation home. Right. So then, then that, the, that equity is that equity. I don't yeah. care which way you cut it. Right. The equity is the equity. It's, it's like someone saying, I don't know, John, you had $50,000 in your Chase savings account and you had $50,000 in your Wells Fargo savings account. And I asked you to transfer 50,000 from Wells into 50,000 to Chase. And you're like, but now I don't have but my I'm Wells not, money. But I don't have no Wells money. It's I'm money. like, but it's you money. still have a hundred grand. Right. You still have a hundred thousand dollars. Hundred grand just happens to be sitting all at Chase now. Right. And you don't have it split up. And maybe because you moved it all to Chase, by the way, instead of you earning 0.6% savings rate, you're earning a 0.9% savings rate. So now you're actually even making a little bit more, more money. Then I, yeah, right. I learned that as a young up and coming person when I finally had a little bit of money to my name, yeah. right? Like we had gone through the getting student loans deferred and cable uh, cut. Mm -hmm. We had driven around Orlando with four sales signs in our cars, doing everything we could to try to like rub two nickels together to find a dime. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't want to have all my money with one financial advisor. Some have it with multiple. You spread it out. Well, financial advisors typically have some kind of a fee that you're paying. And the more money you have with them, the lower that fee becomes. Right. I learned quickly, oh, it wasn't too smart of me right. to, you know, it, 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 it was like, no, nah, it makes sense. If you know and like and trust that person oh, yeah. and they're meeting with you every single quarter to go over your strategy and your plan and your life and what's changed and, and what you're looking forward to, the more money I have with them, mm -hmm. the cheaper the fee becomes. Right. So in this case, talking about homes and equity, you normally can borrow the easiest and the cheapest on your primary home. Hmm. And if you're trying to buy a second home, so this is for anyone who is, who is selling real estate outside of these destination locations or they're, or they're a lender lending more and more importantly, a lender hmm. than over someone who's selling. This is for the people who are selling in the destination locations. You should know about these options. Right. You should know if you're a realtor in one of these markets where a lot of people come in to buy second homes, that, hey, maybe it's not the best idea to have them qualify for a mortgage on the home they're buying with me. Maybe it's a better idea for me to suggest to them to have their home in their current state, their, their current primary. Mm -hmm. Let's get a new loan on that, pull some equity out. Let's transfer that equity into this new home. Right. That way they become a cash buyer. They close quickly. They negotiate better. Their offer gets accepted. And, then the, yeah, right. and their overall financing, because whether they finance 300 grand on this condo at the beach or condo in the desert, or whether they finance 300 grand into their primary home, it's 300 grand. Like whichever way it is, they owe 300 grand now. Mm -hmm. The difference is what if by financing on their primary home, their interest rate was a quarter percent lower? Now a quarter percent is not gonna make anyone rich. Right. A quarter percent on $300,000, John, is roughly $42. It's $42 a month, it's $480 a year on a mortgage that you'll probably only have about seven years. Mm -hmm. So it'll save you roughly three grand, 3,500 over the course of the next seven years. Mm -hmm. But it's the principle that matters, right? The principle is you're going to save 42 bucks a month and it was easier. So these are things that we can be teaching to anyone who's looking to become a snowbird. Like if you're looking to become a snowbird, it's not just about having to purchase your home and get a mortgage for this, for this new home, mm -hmm. which by the way, the minimum down payment is probably going to be 10%, just FYI. FYI, minimum down payment on a second home, if utilizing conventional financing is 10%. FYI, you're not going to use your VA benefits to buy a second home because a VA loan is only for primary homes. 
you're not going to use an FHA loan or a USDA loan or any loan that ends with the letter A mm. is to only be used for a primary home purchase. By the way, for my friends in New Jersey and New York, who maybe you've been renting your whole life. Maybe you are able to rent an apartment in Manhattan that had rent control. Therefore, you never had it to be advantageous for you to own. Just because you've never owned a home before does not mean that this home down in Fort Lauderdale is going to be your primary. Just know that. It doesn't make you a first-time home buyer. I guess you are technically a first-time home buyer, but there's no special first-time home buyer programs for you because you've never owned a home. If you live and you work and your primary source of income derives from you living and working in New York, then the home that you buy in Florida is still a vacation home, also known as a second home, a secondary residence. And, and you're not going to use your FHA pre-approval letter that you got mm-hmm. up in New York to buy that condo down in Florida. Right. Just that's the old LO in me starting to talk and throw some knowledge out right. there. But if you're a conventional buyer, you're looking for a 15, 20 or 30 year fixed mortgage and you're financing under the 550 and change that most markets have as a maximum conforming loan limit. Basically, you're buying a home for 600 or less, mm-hmm. 10% down is the minimum down payment. But it doesn't necessarily make sense for you to A, pay cash because money is so cheap. You may need to sit down and talk to your financial advisor about what makes the most sense for you. Maybe pulling money out of that annuity or money out of your 401k or out of your IRA or out of your investment account or out of your checking account. If you had that much money sitting in there, I don't know why you'd have that much money sitting in there, right? Unless you just recently got a big fat settlement and it was just transferred in and you haven't had a chance to transfer it out. You shouldn't have that that, that much money sitting in there, but get advice from your financial advisor. Understand that financing is cheap. Understand that even if you do pay cash, you can get with a local lender in that market and look to do what is called a delayed financing loan. Basically, you paid cash for the house in order to get it done, get it done quickly, get your offer accepted. Mm -hmm. The minute you close on it, you start working with a local lender to pull some of that money back out, maybe give it back to your financial advisor. How many? Uh, how often is that product you say used? Is it utilized? Is it underutilized? Do a lot of people know very about few, it? Very few people know about delayed financing. It's the first time I heard about it. And yeah. I, I, yeah, I have a client of mine back when I was a hardcore LO. His name is Mark. I'm still in contact with Mark. Mm-hmm. I actually do investments with Mark. Mm-hmm. Mark was a real estate investor. He was also like a CFO of a big law firm. Mm-hmm. And... I would do delayed financing for Mark because he wanted to be able to get the best price on homes as a, as a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. So he'd go and make cash offers. And back when he was buying homes, this was seven years ago, he didn't end up getting those homes probably 3% off of market value just because he paid cash and closed quickly. Mm-hmm. Then he'd come to me after the fact and we'd go ahead and do a 70 or 75% loan to value on a 30-year fixed mortgage for him and give him some of his operating capital right back. Damn. Yeah, it's called delayed financing. You couldn't do like two of those on one. Like I have one primary home and I do one of those delayed cash out things, delayed financing. I, could I do that on multiple second, third homes down in Florida or just one second home? Oh, I like where your brain's going, John. So let's let's get super creative. Yeah. Let's say in this example, I own my home in my home state free and clear. Mm-hmm. That home's worth $500,000. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and I'm going to obtain a cash out refinance on that home, and I'm gonna take out Mm $350,000, right? Roughly a 70% loan to value. Mm -hmm. So I still have a good amount of equity in that home. I have 30% equity, right? I have 150 grand of equity in in that home. 
Now that $350,000, I'm going to use and I'm going to go pay cash for a condo at the beach. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pay cash because that's how I got the offer accepted. That's how I was able to close quickly, get the seller to accept my offer, et cetera. And afterwards, I'm going to go to a local lender and that local lender will allow you to do a delayed financing loan. And of that three fifty, you're going to get some of it back. Maybe you get 80% mm-hmm. back. Okay. So 80% now of three fifty means you're basically getting, I'm going to do some quick math. So three fifty, seventy thousand dollars 70,000 dollars 70 minus three to $280,000. Okay. Well, now you have $280,000 to work with. Your question is, can you do something with that 280? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Maybe you want to go buy an investment property for 250. No worries. Yeah. yeah. So you bought the investment property for 250. And afterwards, maybe you want to go to do delayed financing. And maybe this time the loan to value is only 70% or 75%. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you'll be able to get of the 250, you'll be able to get, let's say, 175 to 190 back. Oh, sure. Yeah, you could theoretically <laughs> just keep, keep rolling. Yeah. Keep rolling it over. Yeah. yeah. Versus the other way you, you could have done something similar pull the 350 mm-hmm. out of your primary home and whatever your home state is that you currently own. Mm-hmm. And then go out and buy all of those properties, putting 10, 20, or 25% down. Mm-hmm. But each time you're having to apply for a loan, mm-hmm. right? And you have to apply for a loan when you're under a time crunch. Mm-hmm. You would utilize delayed financing because you have cash on hand and you know that cash is king and that's how you get offers accepted in today's market. Mm-hmm. But you also know, like our friend down in down in Marco Island, money is cheap. That's her point. Money is cheap. Why are all these people dumping cash into their homes when money is so cheap? Right. Now, I will answer her this, uh, this for her okay. if you're still listening. I hope you are. If you're still listening, please know that there are certain financial strategies that use owning a home free and clear as their hedge against their other investments. So a buddy of mine, he's super smart. Talk about him often on this. He is a chartered financial analyst. To me, that's like harder than becoming an attorney. Mm. Okay. Right under becoming a doctor, Mm. but it's like the smartest of the smarter people who are, are in the financial world. And he owns his house free and clear. I'm like, WTF, you're 39 years old. You do this for a living. You know how cheap money is. He said for him, two things. A, his income is tied to the market. If the market shits the bed, his income shits the bed. Mm. So he likes knowing the main hierarchy of need, right? Mm -hmm. Shelter, Mm -hmm. food, shelter, then love, something Mm -hmm. like that. One of the main is covered. So whatever happens in the market, because his income is tied to the market, he's less affected. Plus, that's his natural hedge, meaning he knows that he owns a piece of real estate that's worth X today that he could sell for whatever it's worth whenever he needs to sell it Mm -hmm. to raise money. That allows him to go and maybe be more aggressive with his other investments. Most people don't have that much money. Most people were happy if we have six months reserves, no credit card debt and we're maxing out our 401k and we're, we're contributing to an IRA. Like if we're doing that, in my opinion, you're freaking winning, mm-hmm. right? But like for him to answer anyone who's curious, like how do the wealthy of the wealthiest, the smartest, the smartest operate, someone like that, that may be how he does it, right? That's just his strategy. That's not my strategy. My strategy is maybe I spend, I keep more cash on hand than my friend Steve does. My cash is my hedge against the unfortunate happening. If I have enough cash saved that I can live a year without adjusting my lifestyle, well, if something catastrophic happened, I would adjust my lifestyle and make that cash last me at least 18 months. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm totally fine having mortgages because I understand that my interest rate on my my home loan is 2.75%. 
when I looked at my statement, and I just did this because it came in the mail. Mm -hmm. This year, I'll pay a whopping $7,000 in interest. Mm. Bang shit. Yeah, no, especially when you're talking about it. I have like over 200 grand left on my mortgage. Yeah. Right. So if I had $200,000 invested at a 6% rate of return, that's $12,000. And, you know, mm -hmm. and that money's liquidatable. I could pick up the phone, call my, my financial advisor, Caleb, and he could give me that 200 grand if I ever needed it. Mm -hmm. And I think those are just concepts and thought processes that people in general, whether you're the home buyer, whether you're the real estate agent, or, or you're the lender, you need to understand all of the options, understand why someone would or wouldn't want to pay cash, be able to explain what delayed financing is, be able to offer a suggestion that maybe you leverage equity in your current home to become a cash buyer on this home and then consult with your financial advisor and ask him or her, should I also look into doing delayed financing once I own my, my mm -hmm. beach condo? Yeah. There's a ton of options out there. And folks, this is not for this episode, but I'm gonna throw it out there. If you're ever worried that technology or AI or robots is gonna take this profession away from you, if you can teach yourself to think the way that I just taught it, don't worry. You'll be good. You'll be good. You'll be good. I think we're decades away from AI and a robot to be able to do that especially because what you'll learn if you start doing it, you're going to elicit a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of excitement. Only a human can navigate human emotions at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And I don't foresee in the next three, five or seven years, a robot being able to do that. You will need the empathy and the sympathy to walk someone through it, as well as the knowledge to suggest it in the patience while they process it. And they ask you to run numbers for them over and over again. When they have you explain it to their spouse, to their adult child, to their financial advisor, what, what I would recommend, you get on a Zoom, you loop in the CPA if they have one, you loop in the financial advisor if they have one, and you throw out ideas. Because I promise you, a CPA is a great CPA, they're not a great mortgage lender, and a financial advisor is a great financial advisor, they're not a great mortgage lender. And why do I know that? Because I personally know CPAs that don't know shit about mortgages, who are great CPAs, and I promise you this because I have three, four, I'm counting them, five. I'd call them friends, like friends. Mm -hmm. We'd go away and do like weekends together. Mm -hmm. I'd go to dinner with them and their spouses who are financial advisors. I know way more about mortgages than the five of them combined. Mm -hmm. And they'll never know as much as me because that's my job. No different than I'll never know as much about becoming a really good financial advisor and strategies for investing the way that they do it because that's their job. Right. If you want to separate yourself from the, from the competition, do those Zoom calls. And guess what? You may even turn that CPA and the financial advisor into, into a, a referral source, right, right. into a referral source once you start wowing them. So our listener down on Marco Island, A, I hope this is exactly what you're hoping for. I chose to do this because I felt like it was something that all people could benefit from. Like, again, the purpose of the show is everything you should have learned in high school, but you didn't because it wasn't taught. And I want to make sure this episode was good for anyone who was selling homes for a living, financing homes for a living, or at one point in their life, they want to become a homeowner. Yep. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You're tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast. Please be sure to like us and share us, especially if you're a first-time listener. You can find us on video via YouTube. Mm -hmm. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play or anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Our social media is at the Loan Officer Podcast. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're even on LinkedIn. 
you want to connect with me as an individual, my name is Dustin Owen. I'm easily found on LinkedIn. He is just John or John Coleman. Google him. You'll find him. That is all the time we have for you today. We will catch you on the next episode. Peace.